Well, good morning, guys. Glad to have you here today. And it's, uh, it's always good to worship with the body of Christ. Uh, we prayed about that this morning together as a team. Uh, we prayed that we would uh, understand and recognize that this is not just a place that we're sitting in, that it's not just an event that you came to, that it's not a building that you showed up at. This is different than that. You might do that throughout the week. You might go to a concert. You might go to a game. That's fine. That's a gathering. It's good. But it's not the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ here this morning. And so I get excited. I really do in anticipation of meeting and being with the body of Christ, which is you guys. And so I'm, I'm excited to do that this morning. Uh, for those of you who are here for the very first time, uh, Ryan already got to do this once, but I want to mention as well, we want to welcome you. We're glad that you're here. Uh, for those of you, I, I've met a couple of you that have never been here before. That was exciting. Uh, for some of you, I haven't met all of you. Uh, but we want you to know a couple of things. It's really important to you, but it's also important to us. This is a safe place. There's a safe place for you to dig in to the Word of God and really understand and really grow and really look at what does it look like to follow Christ on a daily basis. We don't, we're not a church that believes in Sunday, show up on Sunday and then do what you want the rest of the week. We are a church that believes in following Christ every day, every minute of every day. And we hope that you find the power in living that way because we're seeking that as well and trying to grow in that as well. Uh, well, when I was a kid, um, I don't know how, how you were, but as a kid, like uh, my, my family always got the newspaper, right? And the newspaper has kind of gone online and all kind of stuff. And so we don't get the paper version as much anymore. But when I was a kid, we always got the newspaper. And I was not, as a kid, I was not that excited about the newspaper, right? I'm not like, ooh, the newspaper's here. I'm going to read the news, right? When I'm in elementary school, it just wasn't that way or even a teenager. Uh, but one aspect of the newspaper I did get excited about was Sunday newspaper, right? Because it was like 12 feet thick, right? And, and so that was one thing that was kind of cool. Uh, but the reason I was excited about the Sunday newspaper is because they had a bigger section of the only section I actually enjoyed, and it was in color on Sundays, right? It was always in black and white, but it's in color on Sundays. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? This is the comic section. And that was like, man, where's that? I'm, I'm like digging through, and my parents will be like, oh, you messed up the whole paper. It's because I got to get to the comics, right? Because they, they bury that in the middle. And so I would read this. Well, one of the comic strips that I would always read, remember reading as a kid, was Blondie. You guys remember that, that comic strip named Blondie? And, and the main characters were Blondie, the wife Blondie, and, and the husband, Dagwood Bumstead, right? I mean, who came up with that name, by the way? But anyway, Dagwood Bumstead. And Dagwood Bumstead was known for several things in this comic strip, right? He was known for, known for a lot of things, but there were three main things. He loved his wife very much. You could tell, like, what he did. He's like, he loved his wife. He loved multi-layered sandwiches. Do you remember that about Dagwood? He's always walking around with a plate or in his hands and a toothpick in it, and it's like this tall, like a huge sandwich. I'm with that guy on that one, right? I mean, food, right? And so he just loved food. And then the third thing, you guys know where I'm going with this, the third thing that it was, it was, on, it was probably in like, I don't know, a third of the strips, I don't know, maybe a fourth or a fifth, I don't know what it was, but he was always taking naps on their couch. Do you remember that? And they made fun of him constantly for it, for his laziness or supposed laziness. Well, I want to give you an example of this. I have a few Dagwood uh, Bumstead comic strips here. So I can't just talk about it, right? We need to, we need to experience it. So let, let's go to this first one. Ha, this study says your brain can actually get full. Full how? 
Overstimulation, napping actually prunes the unneeded brain files like weeds in a garden. I knew it, Dagwood Bumstead says. Honey, I've got a job for you. Sorry, sweetheart, my brain is full. <laughs> Fantastic. And that's always the position he's in. He's always facing the back of the couch, right? Okay, let's go to another one. Mr. B, you sure spend a lot of time stretched out on that sofa. Do you get tired a lot? Don't you get enough sleep at night? Is something wrong with your balance? Does being lazy run in your family? Elmo, what I don't get is enough sleep during my nap. <laughs> it's good. Have you ever been that way, with, maybe with kids? Yeah, all right, one more. I got one more. Oh, my, what a beautiful day. He's sleeping there. Honey, wake up. I want to show you something exciting. Birds are chirping, bees are buzzing, flowers are blooming. You don't want to waste the first gorgeous spring day napping on the sofa. She's absolutely right. <laughs> and there he is. <laughs> Dagwood Bumstead, one of these guys that he just loves his naps. Well, today we're going to continue our series called Two Ways to Live, where we're looking at Proverbs. And you guys know what we've been doing. We've kind of been kind of sharing the two ways that Proverbs pre presents to us. It usually presents two ways of life. There's one way that is God's way and one way that is against God's way, right? That's what Proverbs says. It says, this way is wise, this way is godly, this way is not. Two ways to live. And today we're going to get into a topic that, to be honest, you maybe have never heard in any church before. It's a topic that we don't talk about very often, but today we're going to talk about laziness. Oh, how fun is that? We're going to talk about laziness, and, and Proverbs has some things, a lot of things actually, to say about laziness, which is interesting. There's a whole bunch of verses. It took me like uh, an hour to read through all the verses in Proverbs that talk about laziness. It, it really did. It just kind of poured through them. There's a whole bunch in there. So we're going to talk about laziness today, but let me just get into the first proverb. And my guess is you're going to find out that we're not talking about laziness in the bumstead sort of way, like sleeping too much on the couch. We're going to talk about laziness in a little different way, as you would imagine. It's not kind of the, the normal laziness that we might think about. So Proverbs 15 Verse 19 is we're going to start. It says this. It says, A lazy person's way is blocked with briars, but the path of the upright is an open highway. Probably, my guess is probably never even heard that verse. Maybe you've read across it if you've gone through the Bible a few times. Hey, a lazy person's way is blocked by briars. An upright person's way is an open highway. Now, What's interesting, I want you to notice, if you look at this verse, what it doesn't do is it does not compare a lazy person and a person who gets up early and works really hard. Did you notice that? It didn't compare a lazy person and a person who works a lot. That's not what it did. It doesn't compare that. What it did is it compared a lazy person to a person who's upright, or in other words, has right standing with God. It's interesting, isn't it? That they would compare a person who's lazy and a person who has right standing with God. That is kind of like it has two divergent ways there. Well, what's interesting is what this is saying is that if there's a person who is spiritually lazy, which as you guys know, kind of figured we're going to go into today, a person who's spiritually lazy, and, and if you compare that to another person, that person would be in right standing with God. The person who is lazy spiritually, they're just setting themselves up for a harder situation in life. The person who is right standing with God, they have set themselves up with an open highway. 
It's kind of like traffic, right? When, when you get onto the interstate, how many of you like a, an open highway or how many of you like you get onto the, and it looks like a parking lot? Like you're just gonna be like, well, we're gonna be here for the next three hours. Man, this is gonna be awesome. Let's get out the games, right? How many of you just get excited about that when you see just packed traffic in front of you? Me, I love that. No, I don't, I hate it more than life. In fact, I'm like, oh, that's what, I, that's what my kids will hear. That's what my wife hears, oh. And they look and they're like, oh, and they do it too, Right? It's a collective, uh, right? Because, because we like an open highway, we li- and we, we don't like it in traffic to be clogged, and we don't want our life to be clogged. And that's what this is talking about. Now, let me give an example of this. So in, in our household, uh, with Laura and I and our family, uh, we have a lot of chores to do, a lot of tasks, right, to just keep things rolling. Uh, and I tell Laura to stop doing laundry because it's just a task, it's a chore. But she's like, no, we got to keep them clean. Okay. I keep telling her because it seems like we have to fold laundry every week. It's amazing how that happens. But anyway, so we have to do things like laundry or clean up the playroom. And one thing that we do as a family, we don't do it every time by any means. But a lot, what we do a lot of times is we all five of us, including our four-year-old, we work together on whatever task needs to be done. This happens a lot with laundry or cleaning up the rooms and things like that. So we work together at it, and it's expected that everybody's now. Of course, our four-year-old, we expect a little lower, you know, thing. like he can put socks together and all kind of stuff, but, but we expect a little bit lower standards for him. But everybody's involved. We're all doing this together, right? We pull, somebody pulls all the clothes out. We lay them out. And I, I mean, the mountain is unbelievable. Like, what did we do this week? This is ridiculous, right? We need to wear these things like 12 times instead of once. This is unbelievable. But we have this mountain and then we're like, we're just, we're just kind of all gathered around. We're folding the laundry, right? Now here's the problem. Here's what inevitably happens. Not every time, but sometimes. Somebody gets poked or sock falls off or, or Daisy goes and does something funny. And all of a sudden, right, we look down and we don't have five of our family there. Laura and I are folding by ourselves, a couple of them are wrestling, one's petting the dog, one's looking, there, there's a fly chasing that they're chasing. Who knows what they're doing? But they're just gone all of a sudden. Like, we were folding together, now we're folding by ourselves. And so this, this doesn't happen every time, trust me, but, but it does happen sometimes. And so sometimes it's one kid, sometimes it's all three children. They're just gone. So what Laura and I have started to do, and we've done this many times, is we stop folding the laundry. And we start going, and we move to something else. And then we inform our children that they get to do it on their own now. Oh, they're really excited about that. It's kind of like coming up on, you know, parking lot on the interstate, right? Reaction. Right? Well, we do that. Why do we do that? We do that not to make their life harder. But we do that to let them understand and to know that if you're going to drop the ball, if you're going to be lazy, then your life is going to be harder. There's going to be consequences. So what you could have done together here with five of us working, now it's just you guys. And sometimes this has happened before. This is, we, Lauren, I don't like to do this, but sometimes we have to. Sometimes one child gets off task. Everybody else is good. You know what happens? That one child gets to fold the entire pile on their own. Now, Tanner, we have to tweak things a bit <laughs> because you don't want to see how our four-year-old folds, you know, the shirts. Like, it would not look like this. It would it'd be interesting. But the point is that if we are going to be spiritually lazy, we are setting ourselves up for briars in life. It's going to be more difficult. 
And that's what this proverb is really talking about. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about six things. Six things that, that if we allow these things into our life, spiritually speaking, that they become uh, something that helps us to maintain or to keep our laziness spiritually. Or it makes us spiritually lazy. Six barriers that keep us from an open highway kind of life. Because we all agree, like I hear you, you guys, when I say the clogged traffic and I say, man, I love it, we all know. You laugh because like you don't love it. Nobody loves it. We want an open highway kind of life. Well, what are the six things, that's not the only six things that are out there, but we're going to talk about these because I think they're big ones. What are six things that keep us from an open highway kind of life? All right, let's talk about the first barrier. First barrier is this. That being spiritually or connected with God is not always urgent and is not always a priority. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we've mentioned this dynamic before, right? Because it's very difficult to see that getting into God's word and, and spending time in prayer and studying and listening uh, for God's voice is the most urgent thing. It's really hard to put God in the center or above some of the, all these other things that seem to have to happen and seem to be important. Right? Because why? Because we see the mound of laundry, we don't necessarily see God. Am I right? It's much easier to tackle the pile of laundry. And by the way, it makes us feel better, right? It's kind of like mowing the lawn, instant gratification. Like you get, you don't want to mow the lawn, but then you mow the lawn. Actually, my wife loves mowing the lawn. That's awesome. I appreciate that. But, but, but most of us don't like mowing the lawn, so you, but then you mow the lawn, and then after you just kind of go back and go, yeah. Right? That feeling. Right? And, and so that's what we do. And, and, and so getting into God's word and prayer, it, it's not always urgent and it's not always a priority because we don't have that tangible reward. And the truth is we all have different priorities. Right? We all have varying levels of priorities for varying levels of things. Um, if, uh, for example, if Laura and I came up with a list of priorities in life, uh, I know that Laura and I and the top, like, three or four or whatever, they'd be very close or the same. Because we know that because we've talked about it. We know what the most things, important things in our family are going to be. And, and so those would be good. <laughs> what would get interesting is after we got past like number five, right? And what's priority in life, right? Because, because this is how it goes. Because how she sees life and sees things is different than how I see things, right? She sees the light that hasn't worked for a week, right? And I see... Uh, this trail needs to be hiked. <laughs> right? So when you get past number five, okay, I'm just saying, there's a little bit of friction going on. Why? Because she's like, you know what? Having that light changed is kind of like, it's God, family, light bulb changed. <laughs> right? Me, I'm like, God, family, uh, hiking. <laughs> right? And, and so that's going to, the problem is you can't change the light bulb while you're hiking right? Because the light bulb isn't where you're hiking. And so there's, there's a priority problem. Something has to give. Something has to rise up and take the place, doesn't it? Something's got to give. And so, you know, Lord, I, in our home, now you know, like there's sometimes some of this. And it's because our priorities don't line up. And so let me just ask you, where's God in your priority list in life? Where does it rank in relation to everything else? Let me give you an example from Scripture. Luke chapter 10, 
verse 38 through 42. This is what it says. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? She, she's saying, she seems a little lazy, <laughs> right? That's what she's doing. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Interesting that we share this story on the Sunday we're talking about laziness, right? Because from our earthly human existence, we would look at that and we'd say, Mary is lazy. Stinking younger sister, right? I mean, that's kind of how we see it. But Jesus confirms to Martha and says, Martha, Mary understands the true meaning of what it means to kind of have the right priority here. She's found and discovered this, and she's right. Maybe you could sit down for a little bit too. See, laziness in the spiritual sense is not necessarily doing more things. Sometimes it's not doing as many things so that God can fill that space. We talked about that last week, didn't we? Those of you who are here, and maybe you took me up on the challenge and you had at least 15 minutes each day that you spent with God and you filled nothing in that time except allowed God to fill it. Some of you heard some good things, didn't you? We need to sometimes get God to that higher level of priority. We need to make it urgent. We need to make it important. We need to carve out that time. It's got to come before light bulbs. It's got to come before hiking. It's got to come before family. That's, that's an eyebrow raiser, right, in America because family usually is at the top of the mountain. I, I hate to burst your American bubble. God has to be at the top. Because if God's not at the top, then you're doing your family a disservice, actually. So if you really want to prioritize your family, prioritize God. And then everything else filters down. It's amazing. So what... Let me just ask you this question, in fact. What are the priorities in your life? Where would you rank everything? In fact, let me ask it this way. It's a little more clear. And I think it's an important way to ask it. What do you always make time for? Does that make it a little clearer? What do you always make sure you have time to do? Golf? Hiking, changing light bulbs, doing laundry, vacuuming. I don't know what it is. We all have different things because all of our priorities are different. What do you always make time for? Here, can I answer that question for you? What should be there? The one thing that you should always, without fail, make time for is God. Above anything else. Fantasy football, everything else has to fall behind that and underneath that. So that's our first barrier. Is it's not urgent. It's not important. We've got to change that, the urgency and the uh, priority. All right, second barrier. Sometimes we are spiritually lazy because we need external motivation. 
All right. Now, this is, I, I'm human just like anybody else, and so you guys are going to get this. I get this. This is kind of one of those things. But this is where we need the uh, pats on the back, the attaboys, the, uh, the candy bars. The, for me, it's the cookies, right? Like, we need the reward. We need the encouragement. We need the accolades, the bonus from work. We need whatever it is. You know, if we're going to do something good, we need to be rewarded for it, right? Let me give you kind of a silly example. So you guys know I hate shopping <laughs> with a passion, actually. Um, I, I really hate shopping. Uh, it's one of the worst things that was invented in life, just so you know. Um, just, yeah, I don't know if you knew that, but it, I mean, it's in God's word. It's true. No, I'm just kidding. It's not in there. But it is a personal thing to me. I hate shopping. And what's really, really awesome is Laura is not really much of a shopper. She's really not. She doesn't love shopping either. And so that's one reason our marriage works so well. <laughs> uh, you know, if, anyway, it's just one of those things. Uh, but, but we love, you know, I hate shopping. And, but there are times when she knows we've got to go get you some clothes, like, because your clothes look terrible. Like, they're falling apart. You've got holes in them. And for me, I'd wear them until they kind of, like, fell off, right? That's just kind of how I'm like, whatever, it's comfortable. I like it. And she's like, no, really, it's, it's pretty gross. So we need, to, we need to update this. Okay. And so we go and we, and we shop. Well, one thing that she will do, which I appreciate about my wife this way, is she'll say, you know, if we go and we get these things and we, well, I want to hit these three stores, like she's already got in her mind, right? And right, right away when there's more than one store, by the way, I know, like, oh, just pull my, my fingernails out. Like, you know, it'll be better. But, but she said, and she'll say, what, you know what? If we can get through all these stores, we can go have ice cream afterwards. <laughs> yes, she treats me and knows that what communicates to my children communicates to me as well, right? She gets that. What is sad about that is, in, in its essence, and I appreciate that, Laura does that because she just loves me. In all honesty, she's like, I know that this will just help make things better, right? This will just be some, you, like, it's something to look forward to, right? And I'm just like anybody else. I have to look forward to something. But really, if I am only going to make the shopping trip work, and if I'm only going to have a good attitude because I get ice cream later, isn't my motivation essentially still selfish and lazy? It is, isn't it? It really is. And so, so this, is, this is kind of what we're talking about. We can't need external motivation to do what is right. We need to get praise from our Heavenly Father, not from people. Let me give you an example of this. Jesus, you guys have heard this many times. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever... They're going to get the pats on the back. Wow, you're a great prayer. But Jesus says that's the only reward they're going to get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your heavenly Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. See, what is your motivation for doing good things? If you seek external motivation, let me, let me just tell you the truth. There are going to be a lot of things that God asks us to do, calls us to do, tells us we have to do, we should do in order to have an open highway kind of life that nobody else is ever going to know. Those are the, I don't know about you, but I'm with you. Those are hard to do because day in and day out, like having my devotions and doing those, it's hard to do those things because nobody else sees the fruit from it. Nobody else gets it. Like, they don't see the good that I'm doing. 
And I want every now, and I'm not, yeah, trust me, guys, I'm not going against encouragement. I'm not saying no, never encourage by anybody, never seek encouragement. You should never get encouragement. It should always be like, wah, 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 wah. Nah, of course not. Encouragement's good. I'm just saying if your motivation to do good extends only if you get rewards from those around you, it's the wrong motivation. We need to be motivated by Christ and by his word and by his love and his passion for us first and beyond all things. And so we've got to get past that barrier. All right, third barrier. There's a lack of desire or passion, and that keeps us spiritually lazy. The truth is, if we don't like it, we're not going to do it, right? It's kind of like shopping. If my, if my wife didn't drag me here, I'd be up in clothes. You'd just be like, wow. I mean, really? Does he ever try? Seriously? Does he ever try? Right? I mean, that's, that's how bad it would be. It really, I'd probably be a little better than that. But, but honestly, I mean, Laura just kind of, she kind of keeps that things. But it would, uh, shopping would not happen unless she pushed. And it's because I don't have a desire to. I don't, my idea of shopping, you understand, is I already know what I'm getting. I know exactly where it is in the store. Like, I've even called somebody sometimes. I've done this a couple times. Where is it in the store? Good. And then I can walk to it so I don't have to ask or talk to anybody. I walk in. I grab it. Yep, that's it. Model number done. Cashier, thank you. I look at the person. I try to encourage them because I'm like, well, I need to make something out of this stupid thing. Right? How's your day? Awesome. Really? You know, and I, and I have a true conversation. That's the only part that I actually enjoy about it. And I'm like, okay, good. And then I walk out. I'm like, praise the Lord. I'm done with that. Right? That's how I feel about shopping. The reason I'm harping on shopping a lot is this. I believe and I see and I've even heard from people that this is how some people feel about reading God's word or prayer or going to church or spending time with God. Right? They, they don't, it's boring. It's hard. I don't even, I don't, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you would have no clue? You'd be like, okay, I'm supposed to read God's word, but where, read the Bible. Where do I start? Like, I don't even know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's not like a normal book where you start and once upon a time, right? And then it says the end at the end. So I don't know what to do, right? I get that. That's okay that you don't know what to do. It's not okay that it keeps you from reading it. Right? And so sometimes it's a lack of desire. We just don't want to do it, and so we don't do it. But 1 John chapter 2 gives us some good advice here. I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you, but it's because this is the truth of God's word that tells you about this. It says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving, a, a desire, a passion for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. That's kind of that external motivation again, isn't it? These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. See, the truth is, we all know the truth. That is, that if I were to name some things in the world right now, they would sound exciting, they would sound tantalizing, we would just like, I'm giving free tickets away to whatever. We'd be like, we'd all just like, we'd be on the edge of our seats, we'd be ready to go, we'd be ready, okay, we're going to do the chicken dance, you have to do it in front of everybody. Some of you would just be like, I'm in, right? And you'd just go crazy, right? I did that for school supplies once, by the way, as a teacher. 
at Staples. Remember that? I won it too, by the way. I can chicken dance. I can chicken. If you need somebody to chicken dance, I'm your guy, all right? But where do we, it's kind of like we, we think that the world has so much to offer us because it's a physical pleasure. It, it makes us feel good. It, it's that instant gratification. And so if we have choice between a concert or spending time in God's word, we're going to choose the concert every time. If we, if we have a choice of spend, uh, signing up for a life group or playing basketball on a Wednesday night, you know what most people choose? They choose the basketball. I know I'm digging deeper into, like, there's, it's thorns now. I get it. I'm just saying. We tend to choose, because of a lack of desire and passion, to do what God is calling us to do first. Trust me, guys. You guys know. I love sports. I watch sports. I play sports. I'm coaching football and soccer this fall, right? I quit high school, but now I'm coaching two sports instead of one. I love sports. So I'm not saying don't do these things. I'm saying if you do them and God suffers, your relationship with Christ suffers as a result, then yes, you're wrong. In fact, you're sinful. Because you've said that whatever it is you're doing in place of God is more important than God. That's what you're saying. We've got to get past that barrier. All right, fourth barrier. Sometimes what keeps us spiritually lazy is a lack of faith. Now, when I say lack of faith, right away, you might think, okay, somebody who doesn't believe in God, right? That's what we think of as lack of, oh, they have a lack of faith. They don't believe God, you know, or they don't believe in God, or they don't believe God enough. Well, to some degree that is true, but this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of take this and, and twist it just a little bit. So the lack of faith in this case is reading your Bible, praying, developing that that relationship with God. And the lack of faith comes in when we don't believe or we're not sure that spending time and putting God first in our life, putting God at the center of our life, we're we're not sure that it's going to pay off in the end. You know what I'm talking about? Like, okay, I, I, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to get into God's word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray every day. I'm, I'm going to do all these things. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of do this. And, and sometimes we stop doing it. We get spiritually lazy. We're like, eh, because we're not sure that when we get to the end of our life that it's actually going to have any effect or pay off for us. Am I right? I've had these thoughts. I've had these doubts, guys. So I'm, I'm pretty sure you have. I have these thoughts. Like, is this really going to pay off in the end? Now, I quickly go to, yeah, God's word promises. I believe it. I know it. And I believe, I believe that's, just, that's just a thought from Satan. He's trying to undermine my faith. But I think sometimes it's a lack of faith. But God's word tells us it will pay off in the long run. It will pay off in the end. Listen to what Colossians 3 says. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Again, external motivation. What's your motivation? Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. We need to remember that our life is about serving Christ, not serving other people. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. In other words, what you do now affects what will happen later. 
In fact, Jesus says this, Matthew 16, 27, he says, for the, for the Son of Man, for Jesus, will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Now, we see that word judge, and all of a sudden we're like, whoa, red flag, hold on, said judge. We don't judge, right? Like that's the big, that's the buzzword in the culture, judge. They said judge. Oh, I don't judge. I don't judge people. Okay. That, that's not what is, it's not a negative thing. It's saying that it's going to, Jesus is going to examine and evaluate your life and is going to say, what have you done? And sometimes we think of it as negative, like in fear. And I, I've been there. I'm kind of like, man, I really hope when I stand before God that I, I've got some stuff that I can say that I did. Right? I, I, I've had those thoughts like, man, what am I going to do? <laughs> That's going to be pretty intense, I think. So I, I get it that we maybe, it's kind of scary, it's kind of all this stuff. But, but I think what we need to understand is God loves us. He loves you more than you love yourself. And you love yourself a lot. God loves you more than you love yourself, more than anybody else loves you. And so he's going to treat you absolutely fairly. But if you've said to God with the actions in your life or in words, you know what? Thanks. I'll get to you later. Like that eternity thing, it's good, but I'm going to live it up now. What Jesus is saying is, if that's your choice, then you're going to be called out for it. And if you live like crazy for Christ, he's going to call you out for that too. He's going to lift you up. He's going to say, look, this person ran the race faithfully like crazy, loved me like nobody else. So judge is not a negative thing. It's simply an evaluation. Sometimes we have a lack of faith to believe that it's going to be worth it in the end. God's word, God promises it's going to be worth it, more than worth it. So I encourage you to live that way. Fifth barrier, fear of failure. Um, now, uh, some of these, I, I haven't mentioned all these things, but the lack of desire one for me, that, that's a big one. Um, fear of failure is another one for me. These, so uh, I, a couple of these are big ones for me. I didn't mention it for the lack of desire, the passion one, but if I don't like to do it, I just put it off. Right? It's not that I don't do it, I just procrastinate on it. Anybody else, any other procrastinators in here, can I get an amen, right? If I don't like it, I'm not going to do it. it just, it's not that it's not going to get done. It just gets pushed down on the list, right? Ooh, I love these things. I don't like these things, but I can do those things. And then there's these things. I'm like, ugh, I just don't even want to. I just don't, don't want to do that. And you know what happens? It doesn't happen for weeks because I don't. And it's not, no other reason other than I don't want to do it. Well, fear of failure is the same way for me. If I'm scared of it or if I don't know how to do it, I just kind of push it off to the side. Anybody else with me on this one? I, I'll be honest. I push it off to the side because I just, I don't know how to tackle it. I don't know what to do. And so I'm like, eh, it's not there. A lot of people feel this way about God's word, about the Bible, right? Let me, let me just encourage you on something. I know, because I know there's a lot of us in here who you do not dig into God's word on a regular basis, like uh, every day. This is the first time you see scriptures when you come on a Sunday. I know that because I know the statistics and I know, I just know that this is the case for a lot of us. If you don't know where to start, ask somebody and start. Because I get it. You're just scared 
because you're, you, you don't want to look dumb or you're not sure that you want to get into it. You think that, God, you're going to start getting answers from this book. Let me tell you, you will. Secret, right? You're going to get answers for your life from this book. And, by the way, you're going to be scared because you're not sure that you're going to like some of the answers that God gives you. Secret, that's also true. Because <laughs> God is going to dig under your skin. And he's going to talk to you who you really are. He's not going to mess around. And so we're scared of that. And but let, me, let me dig in a little deeper. Don't need to raise hands, but how many of you have never prayed in front of anybody else because you're scared to look dumb? Again, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you in here are that way? Let, let me just tell you this. I wasn't planning on telling this, but this is cool. Went out with another family to eat. And one of the family members uh, had talked to me way back at the beginning of Northridge days and said how uh, this person, just was saying how this person, they, they were scared to pray out loud in front of their own family, just, just their own family. I'm not talking about like in public. I'm talking about just with their kids and wife, right? So that's what he said. And, and, and I said, you know what? I hear you. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't even have to say the right words. Just be real. Just tell God what you know you want for your kids or what you, are you thankful for the food? Well, then tell him that. It's simple. You don't have to say the right, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed. Really? It's very honoring to God. You know what's honoring to God? You being real with him, because he already knows anyway. And we went out to eat and and because I'm the pastor, it's kind of default mode, I pray. <laughs> right? I'm not complaining about it. It's cool. It's what happens. Right? But this one, I almost fell backwards because the food came. And before I could say anything, he said, hey, why don't we bless it? Before I said anything, he said, hey, can I pray? What? The? <laughs> I mean, really? And he prayed. Not just in front of his family, but in front of my family. And just, just not that long ago, it was impossible for him to pray in front of his own family, just his own kids and wife, in the privacy of his home. Hey, listen, if you're scared to do something, let me just tell you the easy way out. You have to start doing it. I promise you, you will never pray with anybody unless you actually start praying with somebody. It's the only way to do it. There's no way you're ever not going to be able to get into the Word of God unless you actually open and start reading the Word of God. Stop being scared of it. Seriously. I get it because I fear failure probably more than most things, I would say, in my life, if I were being honest. Partly that's because I'm a guy. Partly it's just because of who I am. So I have a hard time taking risks sometimes. The Second Timothy 1.7 tells us something really important. This is one of those you can frame and put up. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That one you can bank on right there. That's a good one. If you're scared of something, and I'm serious about this, Send a message to me this week. Right? Now, if I get like 73 of you doing this, it'll take me a little bit, so give me some grace. 
But if you don't know where to start by reading or in prayer or whatever the case is, and you're just scared of it or you're not sure how to start, ask somebody. It doesn't have to be me. I certainly am not the expert. But ask somebody and start doing it. Make it a priority. All right, last barrier. Last barrier is a big one. It's a can't-do mindset. It's a can't-do mindset. Uh, at my children's elementary school this past year, they started something that I really appreciated. They started emphasizing the growth mindset. That's what it said in all their letters, and they'd, they'd have growth. Remember, growth mindset, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so the growth mindset very simply is that when you come up on something that seems difficult, that seems scary, that seems too hard, that you don't understand, that, you know, whatever the case is. And of course, they're talking school, but we're talking social. We're talking every, every situation you can imagine. The growth mindset says when you see those things, when you come up against those things, see it as an opportunity to learn and to grow, not something that's going to hold you back or something to be scared of. The growth mindset is flipping what would be scary and, and intimidating and flipping to say, okay, I just need to tackle this and I may not be good at it right away, but I'm going to work at it. Right? The growth mindset. Well, in our relationship with God, we need to have a growth mindset. It's what God calls us to do. He says you need to have a growth mindset. You need to see these things as opportunities. When getting into your word, I know when I hold this up and I say, some of you just send me an email. Tell, tell me that you just need to know how to start. You guys start getting hives, right? Oh, ah, right? Because that's, that's freaking like, are you kidding? I'm going to open myself up to a pastor? Absolutely not. Right? Because it's scary. It's intimidating. He said, no, I can't do that. I can't, I can't be somebody who prays for somebody out loud. Yeah, you can. I make my kids do it in front of other people all the time. You know why I do that? Because I don't want them to be nervous or embarrassed, anything else, because God is worth it. And every now and then they'll hem and haw, but most of the time they just say, Okay, you can tell that they're nervous, but they do it. And they're awesome. And it's very simple. It's a few words usually. Awesome. We've got to have a growth mindset. Listen to what Ephesians 4 says, and then we'll wrap this up. It says, This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, this is the other way of life. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body. Remember, we talked about the Christ's body, the church. Well, that's what we are here. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Did you catch the theme there? We need to grow. <laughs> Individually and together is the body of Christ. Let me tell you something that will keep you from growing every time if you don't have a growth mindset. You know why I know that? Because the only way you grow is to get out of the comfort zone that you're normally in. You realize that, right? If you stay in the same relationships, the same people, the same bubble, the same whatever, the same routine, the same thing all the time, you will not grow because it doesn't require you to grow. 
You can do it on autopilot. There, there are a hundred things in life that I can do on autopilot because I've always done them that way. I just, I get it. But if I want to grow and God is calling me to, I need to do things that are not comfortable for me. We have to have a growth mindset. Let me give you one more verse. Proverbs 20, verse 4. Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. We get this physically. We understand if the farmer's like, I'm not going to plow, I'm not going to plant, but I want to harvest at the end. Well, it's not going to go well. We get that. But this is also paralleling the spiritual life. You understand. If we don't do any investment in God now, then we can't expect the harvest later. So I'm going to ask you a question that you've probably never been asked before. Are you being lazy with God? If you think about it, are you being lazy in your relationship with Jesus? If you're not, awesome. How can you help bring others into the mix? It's kind of like when you're working out at the gym, right? Who else can you bring along for the ride? Well, we should, more than inviting people to basketball, more than inviting people to go to concerts, more than inviting anybody. Oh, and by the way, here's, here's another thought, side note. Okay, that fear of failure thing, the fear of thing. You know, one of the biggest things that people are scared of, right? It's going to church. It's, it's coming to be, to be with the body of Christ. You know why? Because they haven't done it. Now, there's some that just don't, they want nothing to do with it. They don't believe. That's different. But the majority, did you know that within a mile radius of this, where I'm standing right now, where you're sitting right now, in a mile radius, there are literally thousands of people. And the majority of them do not know Jesus. And a big reason, not every one of them, not all of them by any means, but a good portion of them, maybe even most of them, the reason they have not connected with Christ or connected to a church that will teach about Christ is because nobody's ever invited them and taken the boldness to bring them in. And by the way, when you invite somebody to Northridge, don't invite them and say, hey, you guys should come sometime. Please don't do that. Invite them and then say, if there's any openness, now I'm not saying lambast it down their throat and be like, hey, we're going to show up. It's this Sunday, okay? 8.55, we're there. <laughs> Just so you know. No, I'm not saying, don't, don't scare them, right? Because they're already scared enough. That's kind of the point of this. But, but when you invite them, say, hey, we'll come to your house. We'll pick you up and you can follow us on the way there or you can even ride with us. Or we'll text you when we get, we're getting ready to leave and, and we'll stay outside the doors and we'll walk in with you. We'll show you where to check in your kids and all that stuff. Now, how much better is that and kind of dispelling their fears? Am I right? How many of you want to go to a business meeting or a party, not, not sure if there's anybody there, but then all of a sudden one of your good friends texts you and says, hey, I'm going too. You guys want to meet and you want to go together or I'll meet you outside and we can walk in together. How many of you, it makes you feel just a hundred times better, right? Church is absolutely the same kind of thing. So are you being lazy with God? Are you doing everything you can to make sure he's the center of your world? I encourage you, bust these barriers. Make God the priority. And you will have an open highway as a result.
Let's pray.